0: The One Love Breakfast. Now, every Wednesday, we're featuring guests on the show who we think are extraordinary people. And this week, it's the turn of Bristol personal fitness trainer and sports guru, Becky Mitchell. Uh, Becky is well known on the sports scene for her nurturing and encouraging nature. Uh, But she leads her fast-paced life living with HIV and does so openly. Uh, Becky Mitchell, welcome to the One Love Breakfast.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
2: Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, Ivan. Now, I've, n- I've never worked, I've never done a of me and Ivan interviewing someone before. It's always been me and I've chucked you out of the room. So this should be fun. It
0: should be, yeah. It's not <laughs> me or me interrupting you or something like that. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. So welcome, Becky. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. I have heard you uh, with Neil Maggs on
2: the Midweek Sports Bar. So... At the end of this, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Who is the best radio presenter? (laughs) No pressure. Is it me or Neil Maggs? Now, we've had the Bristol City manager. They've all said it. So they've all gone for me, obviously. I'll tell you in
1: advance, I'm a Gemini. I sit on the fence. Don't go either way. That's my best answer.
2: Uh, I interviewed Bobby Reed, Bristol City. Well, he's not anymore. He's Cardiff now. He's just signed. I said, who's the best striker? Uh, Who's the best interviewer? Sorry, not the best striker. Um, They said me. I threatened them with an elbow and stuff. But... You didn't get that on the interview. I just edited that bit out. <laughs> so look, Becky, welcome. Thank um you. Massive amount of ignorance and stigma about HIV But we won't start there Let's start with you I'm interested where you were born I'm interested about uh, Yeah, just a little bit about you growing up really So so let's kick off there Where? You don't have to reveal the year if you don't want to I don't to, mind
1: 1974, Southmead Hospital Oh,
2: she's a young'un
1: <laughs> <But okay. laughs> so yeah, Recently turned 44, yeah I was born uh, at yeah, Southmead Hospital uh, My parents were living in Little Stoke at the time um, and then we moved down to Cornwall. I think I must have been about three and my brother was, who's two years younger than me. Yeah. Um, we moved down there. I think it was around 1977 um, to a place called Carvis Bay, just outside of St. Ives. So I've got lots of memories of being down on the beach and mm. lovely summer days. And
2: What kind of surfy kind of?
1: Not so much. My dad was a tennis coach and very much into cycling. So right. I had a racket Put in my hand at the age of five,, Gosh. which I hated um, but did
2: you have the kind of hand eye coordination yeah, some I did. people don 't do it
1: and the thing is is like a few years after that, I really got into playing tennis with him, and right. then for school i mean i, I couldn 't serve very well, but i could hmm. I could hit a ball and i could and I could play yeah. a game um, and i was He was into cycling as well, so i 'd always ridden bikes growing up, so that sporty stuff came from that time, and I yeah. think Cornwall is a nice environment. To have that, mm. so down on the beaches, playing with friends on lilo's in the sea, it was, Gosh. you know.
2: So from was a fun. young age, then Cornwall. So born, born in Little Stoke. Yeah. Sporty family. What was Mum like? Um,
1: kind of? She liked sort of doing um, dance classes and um, lying on the beach. I think.
2: Oh, that hey. But she, yeah, she she
1: did sort of keep, keep fit stuff, and and she played a bit of tennis as well, um, and then they they split up around 1982 so I was around 8 so we came back to Bristol then Um, and who
2: did you come back with mum or dad mum Okay.
1: yeah me and my brother came back with mum so um she got us into all the kind of activities at, at school. I did a lot of gymnastics at school. I really enjoyed that. Uh, played rounders a lot. I still did a bit of cycling. Um, and we were just out playing all the time. I just mm. wanted to be outside all the time. It's interesting because I found um, a diary I'd written when I was about 10 years old at school. We used to have to write a diary every <laughs> lunchtime of what you had done the night before. It's called, it's, at- it's
2: called being on report now. Love. Oh,
1: it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> but I was outside <laughs> yeah. playing all the time. We weren't yeah. watching TV. My brother was... A bit of so a you square just,
2: ice, but... You, you're just right. Just going back, because um, I know it, it affects people in different ways, uh, and now almost in school, uh, it's, it's almost normal that people are either living in single-parent families or they've got a stepdad or, you know, I remember yeah. Shalina come home and said, or, or Solomon come home and said, oh, my, my friend so-and-so has got two mums. Or, or so, so 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 kind of being with the, the old traditional mum and dad uh, in, in, in school is almost like not the normal anymore. Yeah. But how did it affect you? It must have been. Oh, it was it, awful. You know, as, as an eight year old who yeah. probably doted uh, on dad.
1: Um, yeah, I did. I was very close to him. So I yeah. felt that um, he wasn't particularly did some not great stuff. So it was the right thing now. Mm. But at the time it was quite a wrench and we still saw him on school summer holidays. So, right. you know, the relationship broke down later on, but right. sort of growing up. Um, it was hard and obviously mum had her own emotions with it yeah. but she had a lot of support like from her parents so we were close to them and she was a single parent so working yeah. full time so her parents kind of looked after us that gap when we got home from school until mm-hmm. she finished work so for about two hours So
2: and it's massively different I mean uh, difficult you, you would know now but as a, as a kid of course you're looking at your immediate needs and, and yeah. your emotions I was
1: meant it? to be in a school play and I oh. was wrenched away from all my friends just before Christmas it was November right. 1982 and all of a sudden I'd been rehearsing this play for for weeks and then suddenly I couldn't yeah. participate in it. I've never forgotten that and uh, I, I was quite angry with my mum at the time because I mm. suppose I felt like it was her fault although it wasn't. Um,
2: I can it, see on your face though you know you know, when someone's telling you something and uh, they'll either gloss over quickly or you can just see an expression and and it doesn't matter you know things in my past when I begin to bring them up or I'll talk about them you know here I go again doing that blokey thing saying oh no it's it's fine but actually memories you know evoke yeah. uh emotions and make us think about things and it's nice that you can say do you know what i am vexed about that i'm i'm quite i'm still annoyed yeah about that because cool it's good that you can explain that you were yeah
1: and it's even more poignant now because my mum died last year very suddenly and unexpectedly oh, d- completely out of the blue so yeah. you know there's lots of reflection in the last year really about things and we're currently going through stuff in the house and finding things from when we were young so right. you know
2: and did, did you have a chance to talk to mum um, before she passed about, you know, some of the stuff that you felt at the time?
1: Yeah, we, we, hadn't, we were really close anyway, so yeah. we, we talked about lots of things. I mean, she irritated me as I irritated her, but I think that's mum's role, isn't it? And, yeah, mum's and you know, dad's, we butted yeah. Head, but we were very yeah. similar, so she was quite a sensitive and emotional person, and so am I. I mean, I'm not very guarded Class. about things, it all just comes out. And yeah. she used to say sometimes, oh, my gosh, you know, you need to think about your delivery. And I'm like, yeah, but once it's out, <laughs> it's done and we can move on. I'm not one of these that festers on things. No,
2: I'm not. I um, say things, but much to my detriment at home. Oh, I'm it really, gets
1: me into all sorts of if trouble. If my
2: wife's listening now, you know, sometimes a week goes where, where we're not talking properly. <laughs> or there's a delayed reaction because I said yeah. something in a row on Tuesday and yeah. it's had an effect. She and I fell out last Thursday. year
1: about something. She said something naturally that upset me, but she was so stubborn. She told everyone else that she said something she shouldn't have done except me. Right. And then it was only because it was just before my birthday. She, my brother sort of said, you need to get in touch with her, that like she did. Yeah. And I thought, well, we, miss, we meant to go to a concert together. Right. But her stubbornness meant we didn't go. Mm. And it's all the more sad now because yeah. she died a few months later. And I was like, mm. oh, mom, seriously.
2: I know but then you've got some great memories and oh and you've yeah got, you know regrets sometimes people have regrets and they think do you know what I wish I'd have told mum or I wish I'd have told dad something and my mum passed I think nine years ago uh and I I don't have regrets about what I should or shouldn't have told her because actually uh we were so close and, and, and they
1: know don't they? yeah you don't even if you don't tell sometimes. yeah
2: mums know don't yeah they? of course
1: they do yeah. yeah of course they do
2: wow yeah So you were sporty, thank you for that, so so, so you were sporty, um, you know, family breakup at eight, came back to Bristol, where in Bristol did you go then? Hawfield. Okay.
1: So, well, kind of West Beyond Trim. Yeah. Um, To start with, so very close to Hawfield Common. So I remember joining um, Hawfield Le- Leisure Centre. It was Hawfield Sports Centre. then that opened yeah. in 1987. Um, and I was going to the Saturday night roller disco. So I would have been about 13.
2: Wow. We were uh, talking about that. Gloria Gaynor, I will survive. <laughs> that was like a roller yeah. disco song, wasn't it, in yeah. those days? Yeah, it
1: was. So we were, again, sort of riding bikes and playing tennis back here, going mm. to swimming. She took us to swimming lessons. So she, we did loads of stuff. She took yeah. us loads of places and made sure that we did all this activity like i said i did gymnastics and stuff so i was always really into sports stuff and you know moving around a- adventurous were you
2: in, in terms of I suppose nowadays people of classes are at a disadvantage I mean being a single parent mum that would have had its challenges but in terms of kind of home and home life looking back now would you say you were kind of a, a disadvantaged kid or could kind of you know w- w- was life okay was it yeah, working it was class, middle great. class how was it it
1: was kind of well my- my mum's parents were still alive, so and they'd, yeah. recent, they'd sort of retired, so we kind of spent most of our time with them while she was working. So yeah. we had a really good sort of childhood growing up, actually, because they took us places, and then mm. she did as well. So, you know, you've kind of got almost two sets in a way. Yeah. So, a and mum a, and a backup. <laughs>
2: no, 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 that's cool. And, and, and at what stage, a little bit like kids sometimes, go. got, yeah, I've got a dad and I've got a stepdad and i got a so-and-so and yeah. I've got these extra grandparents. And and we and saw him in school
1: holidays. So we we went and he was living in Exeter at the time. So, yeah. again, very active stuff, canoeing, cycling, all that sort of stuff when we were down staying with him. So we were doing things all the time.
2: So you've grown up with sport yeah. virtually.
1: And then I had a massive long spell without it when I got married. Right. Um, and just my life just went the other way. Um, and then when we split up, because I was with him for about 15 years, and then when we split up, I kind of got back into the sports stuff again, right. started cycling again, and just picked up all the stuff that I had done years ago. So lots of friends were like, oh, that's just a reaction to your marriage breakup. You're going to the gym to get fit. And but I'm maybe am like, no. But
2: maybe it might, in, in some ways, relationship breakups, major changes in life yeah. actually encourages you to say, Those do you know what?
1: fitness stuff become your salvation. Yeah. So And that's the same with the marriage breakup, with the HIV diagnosis, with the yeah. bike crash. I had and then with my mum dying so keeping fit is how I manage my mental Mm. health and emotional health with that
2: Gosh, what kind of so before you were married? What kind of kind of teenager were you in terms of you know? Were you out and about? Were you clubbing it? Were you running around with the stilettos and in oh, and, no. and, and your bare feet and, no. and I don't know. Was it Wham? I don't know. Back in them days, but Duran Duran. Yeah, oh, everyone oh, yeah. loved
1: Wham. All my friends loved Wham and George Michael. Like it was Simon Le Bon and Duran Duran for okay. me. And then Madonna.
2: So see so a bit. So Madonna and Duran Duran a bit more rebellious. You, I yeah. guess, alternative.
1: I was, yeah. And then I did become a bit sort of a. a Goth type. I went into. My mum was really worried about me at one
2: point. Is she doing drugs? She did
1: take me to the doctor at one point, and she said, "Oh, she looks really tired. She's really like quiet. Is she on drugs?" So the doctor sent my mum out the room, and she went, "Are you all right? I'm fine. It's just my mum's going on at me all the time, and it's annoying me." So.
2: Isn't it funny that when they go on drugs, it's that thing because like nobody quite knows what anything. the drugs are. A
1: little bit of. um uh,
2: You'd have a little smoke sometimes, yeah, maybe, if your mates else. were. I never yeah, Never
1: anything else. Never my thing. Yeah. Too frightened of it.
2: Not really a drink at it. I never drank
1: when t- I was younger. Really? That all came later. Yeah, I was too busy. Like, me and my friends, we would be listening to music or, yeah. you know, just going out walks and playing around, playing pool. I discovered that at, like, 16 at the yeah. Sportsman Pub. We were playing pool all the time. <laughs> they never served us alcohol because they knew how old we were, but yeah. we were just playing pool. Oh, i love awesome. that as well
2: and so during that time you were still kind of doing sporty stuff yeah. and, uh, and whatever and cycling
1: then, rounders tennis yeah. so walking
2: so marriage then stopped the whole the whole kind of sporty stuff not really yeah. as a, it just gradually, happened did yeah it?
1: gradually i think yeah and then i started sort of smoking cigarettes for a while it's probably one thing i do regret but and just living a different life i put on a lot of weight and you know i was just gloriously unhappy
0: was, was, I was going to say, was that contentment? But it wasn't contentment, no. even though you'd got married. And, and, and you met your husband at, at, when you were only 16, is yeah, that right? Yeah, I did. Right? That's right, yeah. Did, do, you, do you regret, uh, did you marry him shortly afterwards? No,
1: um, I, we got together in 1991 and we got married in 1999.
0: Gosh, so you've known each other a very long
1: for time. For a long time, yeah. We were together for a long time as well. So And then we, I think we finally split up around 2006. So, hmm. you know, it was a long time.
0: When you look back at that relationship, do you have any regrets over it? Or or is it just part of your life that you've lived and you've I moved on I think so. Since and, you
1: know, I speak to him from time to time. And I just think that we weren't right for each other. But at such mm. a young age, you don't know that. Um, and I think as the years have passed by now, we're able to talk about things together a little bit and think, ah, oh, there's a bit more understanding in that actually mm. I was a bit of an idiot then, you were a bit of an idiot. And it just it just wasn't meant to be and i think that that relationship should have ended mm. uh, much sooner
2: many people say i suppose at that age you haven't really got you've got you know a lot of the superficial things about what you want and what you think you want but actually we don't have the skills in our locker to be able to make those Objective yeah. decisions And it's easier to say When you're older Do you know what Come on We yeah. weren't right for each other But you don't realise it At the time No do you?
1: you don't And you're just sort of Desperately trying to make it work And we had some wonderful times We travelled a lot together And mm. you know we, There were fun times as well As, as some um, You know Not so great times As with all relationships
0: Okay Ivan now, Becky after you you split up with your husband you said you know well, during that relationship I get you you let yourself get out of shape I guess did you sort of have a mindset thinking well this is my opportunity to sort of like actually get back to the way I was physically it came by accident well? in
1: about sort of two years before we did finally break up because I got quite unwell and I lost an awful lot of weight very quickly and I suddenly saw the scales like plummeting and I'm right. like oh my god I've been trying to lose this weight for years yeah. and then I was like right I don't really want to put that back on um and I started cycling to and from work, so it was about from Winterbourne to Aztec West. So it took me about half an hour yeah, there yeah. and back, and I did that four days a week. That helped me manage my weight. So then, when we did split up, I rejoined Horfield Leisure Centre, and then yeah. I got in to go into going to spinning classes and circuit training and doing. How do you do
2: spinning? Do you know when, I, when if I go to the gym, which hasn't been for a while, I look and I see that. <sighs> <laughs> it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? It does,
1: yeah. And I was doing six or seven classes a week at oh the time. My days. So we're talking 10 years ago now. I don't train like yeah. that now. Um, but then I got into road cycling. I, um, One of the spinning instructors who was one of my great friends as well. Yeah. Um, who ultimately influenced me to get my fitness um, qualification and my personal training qualification. Yeah. Uh, persuaded me to do the Bristol to London ride back in 2009, and I was thinking, I can, there's no way I can do that. Oh. But he actually kind of made me think I could do it even before I thought I could. I thought, well, if he thinks I can, then, mm. and it, that was a real um, he was a real mentor for me back then and I thought I wish I'd come across you when I was younger but better late than never and I think yeah. that about all of the stuff so the exercise things came later in life for me yeah. but I appreciate it more now Yeah. Um, so I got the road bike and we took our bikes all over the country and did some wonderful rides Wow. again that's how I dealt with you know the life changes that happened with the marriage breakup and having to move yeah. back in with my mum for a while and then trying to get back on my feet again and can I
2: imagine you from what you've already said about you you and and, and your mum's personalities i can oh, imagine that, that would have been a bag of laughs with it you two together at home yeah. wouldn't it she
1: was sad when i left though even though yeah. she kept saying to everyone she couldn't wait for me to go she was sad when no, i left no but that's
2: mums as well though yeah, isn't it, it, you, it know, is, you, you know and kids can't live yeah. and can't live without them and whatever no. and but 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 you you actually like that friction <laughs> sometimes yeah, and you I miss think, it when it's gone and it's
1: yeah this is the thing you think that you know she irritates me beyond the meaning of it sometimes but that means you care about someone it's when you're indifferent that there's a problem isn't there Hmm. so I never minded that because I thought well you know
2: okay so you had the marriage breakup you 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 pushed yourself into fitness and as as you said earlier kind of coping mechanisms for your well-being and, and and your mental health actually to be able to push yourself into something yeah. and i'm sure many people listening will know it may not be fitness or gym it might be something it might be cooking it yeah, could absolutely. be it absolutely works for you yeah, it, go, it
1: gives you a bit of escape yeah
2: cleaning the car going out doing the hedge just yeah. just getting yourself into something because that when you're requires. doing something
1: i always sort of thought with the cycling that takes my mind off worrying about things because i've got to focus on the road and yeah. suddenly i was like oh i've forgotten about that or oh i feel a bit better about that now yeah, and yeah. i've not thought about it for half an hour so hmm. it, it becomes sort of helpful in that way, I think.
2: Okay. So take us on then. So you're fit. You're, you're getting physically fit. You're doing road. Uh, you know, um, I I, I've done Bristol to Bath on a cycle, right? And I thought I was. <laughs> I thought I was a champion. I've done a 10k. I thought I was a champion. And then I, 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 I read about and listen to to your story. and Think, how can you? How can you ride such distances? Yeah, uh, I did a lot
1: of 100-mile bike rides around the Brecon Beacons up in oh, Scotland. It was wonderful. And again, it, things I never thought I would be able to do. Yeah. And a, a real sense of achievement. Yeah. Thinking, God, I did And that.
2: so when I'm looking at all, uh, at you, um, and I really am, because, because sometimes you think, well, I, I couldn't do that. You yeah, but um, you
1: could. Your body will do anything. It's your mind that will tell you. Uh, yeah, and yeah. And it lies. That. Really? Yeah, because I think your mind can say, no, I can't do that, when actually you can So your mind will lie to you sometimes.
2: I was doing the Bristol 10K, right? I'll just go on about it again, just (laughs) pick myself up a bit. It is a hard run. I got to a stage and we were in the Portway under a bridge and Ricky, um, who's a really close friend of mine, he was a coach at David Lloyd, he was like a sports guy, and he went, Page, listen, you can do it. He said, just walk, just, just walk for a bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and then just look, just stretch, do this. That becomes do that. an
1: interval training session, then it's still yeah. legit, you
2: know? Yeah, because I haven't stopped and I've not no, got a lift. You,
1: and you've got to the end of it. it and I'm saying, but I can, like I need how to long run. It takes, but you get to the end of it. Exactly. You
2: know? Poor guy. I wrecked his time by an hour and a half, right? <laughs> but he stayed with me all the way and motivated me, yeah. and, and, and he told me. And I am the laziest person in the world. As a football coach, I'd be in the middle of the field blowing the whistle, telling everyone to run. And I'd join him for like 10 yards <laughs> and I'd sit back and I'd sit back and i hate running. And so to do that for me was a, was a big thing. But I get what you're saying about people telling you, Patty, you can do it. Patty, you can do it. Yeah. Same with weight training. You think yeah. you can't lift something.
1: And you surround yourself with the people that tell you you can do stuff, not the people yeah. that can't. Yeah. And that changed my life. And mm. I think then, when the the HIV thing came along, that gave me I had better tools to deal with it.
2: Sure, let's talk about that for a moment because you're you, you you're then out of your marriage and relationship. Um, you got have you got kids? No, I okay. don't. Okay, no. So, at what stage then did you get into a relationship that got you to contract HIV?
1: Well, the marriage breakup was 2006, and then I met. Um, he who should not be named, um, in 2012. Right. So it it's August 2012, so okay. I met him at the gym. Um, he was into training as well, so wasn't my type at all. I just sort of thought he could be quite helpful um, in weight training because i wasn't really confident enough to do it. i didn't know what i was doing back then so
2: basically you were being selfish getting a resource there were you to say well you help me with the weight training yeah and, yeah and
1: you know he was he was quite helpful but he yeah. used to help lots of people so right. i never sort of saw that as special treatment or anything like okay. that at all and like i said he wasn't really I, my type at all and i thought he was gay i just right. you know some people at the gym had said that they thought he was and it just yeah. wasn't my type really yeah, and yeah. then um you know, I went out for a coffee with him one time and I thought, well actually, um I maybe I've made a bit of a, a misjudgment here and actually he's quite nice um yeah. and quite friendly. Um and, you know, after a bit of time we did sort of get into a relationship together. Yeah. But I didn't know about the HIV, didn't he didn't tell me. So it wasn't until about six months later when I had a message from an ex girlfriend of his to say that he was HIV positive and didn't take his medication properly. Um Uh, So I knew and I had a short period a few weeks ago feeling really unwell, a rash on my chest. I knew. So I went to the doctor and I said, look, I've just found this out. Um, I think that, you know, this is I Googled Mm. it because Google's great for self-diagnosis, isn't it? It's quite scary, isn't it? But on that thing, I I was right on that time. I was right. So um, I was then diagnosed um, and the hospital were sort of quite clear to me and said that had he taken his medication properly, he wouldn't have passed it on to me. So there's all the stuff now that, you know, undetectable means uh, zero transmission risk. Yeah. So if yeah. he bothered to do that, I probably would have been all right. And so would the other girl.
2: And, and, and this is the person that contacted you. And tell me to be quiet um, for for asking, but... There are a lot of surveys, uh, and you know, women uh, out of re- out of relationships. Yeah. Ivan, you need to keep your phone switched off. Re- women out of relationships. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it was me. Um, the a high risk category of, of of contracting HIV, and of course, the question comes in and. Is it older people think less about protected or un- unprotected sex, or is it because if you're in a relationship and you get to know somebody and everybody thinks, listen, it, it's fine. You just fine. think
1: at that age, who lies? <laughs> right. Because we were really careful to start with, and yeah. then, um, you know, he said, no, we're, we're absolutely fine. There's, there's no risk of anything here. And wow. I took that at face value, and I thought, well, he's in his 40s. And I'm why in his late shouldn't thirties. Why, would, why yeah. would I think any differently?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm a sensible girl. I always have been and always yeah. looked after myself really well, so that came as a... You know, a bit Mm. of a shock, because suddenly then I'm like, I've got to take a drug every day for the rest of my life now because of your selfishness.
2: Yeah. We're talking to Becky Mitchell. It is Extraordinary People. Um... We've stopped at a very poignant point, but there is much light at the end of the tunnel uh, in the second part of our programme. So stay tuned on 93.2 FM BCFM.
0: The One Love Breakfast. Now, if you just tuned in uh, every Wednesday, we are featuring guests on the show who we think are extraordinary people. And uh, this week, it's been the turn of personal fitness trainer and sports guru, uh, Becky Mitchell. Uh, Becky is well known on the sports scene for her nurturing and encouraging nature, Uh, but she leads her fast-paced life living with HIV and does so openly uh, Becky uh, just earlier on uh, you've uh, uh, told us about how you managed to acquire HIV can you tell me and I think it would be useful for people to know this what went through your head the moment you got that diagnosis when you were sat there with the doctor or nurse and they said it's a positive test result
1: my first question to him was um what will happen to me and then I said but this better not stop me cycling or running because I don't have time to be ill. I swear to God, that was the first thing I said. Um, I said, I've got events coming up. I, I can't, I haven't got time for, to be ill. And he just said to me, um, you will live um, a long life, but it will be difficult sometimes. So he said, you can do all the things that you are currently doing. Um, you just need to take a little bit more care.
0: Did it take a while for things to sink in for Absolutely.
1: You. It was a very dark weekend, you know, coming to terms with it mentally and emotionally was much harder. But I've had no physical effects from it, so I think that probably helped. And, and
0: that's because it was an early diagnosis Absolutely. and So literally, within, straight away.
1: Yeah, and my viral load was never that high anyway. They kept... I didn't take... Uh, I wasn't on treatment until about a year later. I, I did, as part of a hospital study, they mm. did... Um, uh, it was called the START study where they wanted to find out if starting treatment early had any benefits which obviously okay. it does so i yeah. think that they do now they don't wait for your that's, cd4 count to right. drop down yeah. to a certain level um and i it was a randomized selection process and i got selected to uh, go on to medication so they put me on a drug called eviplera which is a combination of three but it meant that i only had to take one pill a day right um, so that
0: is all you have to do every yes, day every now. day with breakfast and what um, and what that does is is basically uh, it keeps the virus at bay it you does have it's, no it's virus three sort of c- um
1: ingredients or three a combination of three drugs that attacks the hiv at different parts of its cycle hmm. i don't really know the science part of it too much i sure. thought i don't want to overwhelm myself with, no, I, I guess. with that too much but that that's the doctors can sort all that out and as long as my results come back undetectable i don't worry about it i just think well you know that's yeah. that's that i just got a Remember to take the drug, and yeah. sometimes that's easier said than done. I have to set diary reminders on my calendar Did at work because yeah, you know yeah. if the phone rings, you get easily distracted, and mm. I've also have to be um, remember to take it if I go away. So those spontaneous nights of like, oh, I'm going to go around to a friend's house for a few drinks sure. and not drive home, or I might stay for the weekend. Yeah, I have to remember that I've got to have drugs with me all the time. Yeah, because if I don't take it, then you know it. it it become, it. It's not treated then, is it? Right. So
0: it then becomes an issue. Yeah, uh, and and you know, very importantly, while what everybody who takes the medication properly cannot pass the virus Absolutely, on to anybody yeah. else, and that's an important message that we, we we want to get out there. Who was the first person? Because there's there's stigma attached to having HIV, and 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 i and, and pat and i'm sure everybody else has applaud you for coming out and talking about it openly because i know many people who are hiv positive and are reluctant to talk about it Me reluctant too. to tell anybody Me too, yeah. um once you tell somebody you can't un- you can't untell them, them. no you exactly. can't untell them and and you know people unfortunately because of what people regard hiv in this day and age people can use that Against you if they want to, yeah. Um, so it can be, you know, it can be used as a weapon. It can be weaponised, and, and it's mostly ignorance. and um, through ignorance, yeah, it is. through ignorance. But some people will use it deliberately, depending on mm. who, who you're, yeah. de- who you're dealing. And with. that includes people like the
2: police, who, 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 you know, very recently as their justification for using um, spit hoods or whatever you want spit to call guards, them, right? Mouth and spit, spit guards. guards yeah. Were talking about their officers. Being able to contract HIV from spit—the it, one of 1984 the most anymore, irresponsible is it? things that they could have done—and this is, you know, even in Somerset, police a massive campaign for people here yeah. in the building and on on one of breakfast, and of course, people that are fueled by ignorance will then say, oh, "My kids, me, you know," da, 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 da. And, and and so we are saying it's not nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty four, but actually. Sometimes there can be attitudes
0: like that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Absolutely. And and I think we should point out that the Avon and Somerset police have uh, now uh, basically taken that back and then they're no longer using that particular. Did they ever apologise? I don't think we actually got what was classed as an apology, but. Teach our kids to apologise, don't we? Of of course, of course.
1: But you have the massive thing about people think that, oh, you know, I did a piece actually for. the BBC last year and um, they put this little video clip up on the Points West page and the little video clip was called Personal Training with AIDS. And I'm like, I don't have AIDS. There's a difference between HIV and AIDS. So I wrote back to them and I said, You're fueling the stigma here. Can you please change that? Yeah. Um, it's a very it's, emotive it's, word, yeah, it isn't it? It is not it
0: Very emotive of word. It.
1: People don't re- really die from AIDS now because mm. the treatment's there. Not, yeah. not
0: in the West. Of course, people still do elsewhere yeah. where treatment isn't yeah, available. Sorry, I meant so, a of yeah, in this yeah. country. But yeah.
1: HIV and AIDS are, are different things. You know, there's no AIDS test and you, and, and you can't catch it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but th- but but
2: there is a massive, yes. a massive difference. Yeah, I know you so, can just finished off on the will Yeah, yeah I'll so
0: I, I was I was t- talking about you know telling people about your status mm. what I'd like to know. I mean, when you were diagnosed, I, I, I guess you wanted to keep it to yourself, but at the same time, you had nobody to talk to. So who did you tell first, and 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 how did they react?
1: Well, I had a, a friend that I said that I was going to get a blood test um, because. I sort of was worried, so she kind of knew, and then I messaged her later that evening and said hmm. what had happened. And then, obviously, I had to have the conversation with him, um, and he tried to make it out that it was my fault, there must be something wrong with me. Oh, gosh. He'd never infected anyone before. Yeah, right. complete denial. Um, and then I didn't tell my mum straight away... Um,
0: but she was next on your list, was she? Yeah,
1: she was. And I, so I got the diagnosis on the Friday. It's a half past five on a Friday night. It's great, yeah. isn't it? And I saw her on the Sunday and uh, we were just sort of out having a coffee and a chat and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got this massive thing. Yeah. And you're going to be so disappointed. Um, and um, I thought, I don't, I couldn't sort of tell her then. It, yeah. I think it was a few days later. Right. I didn't tell my brother straight away, but there were other friends that I spoke to mm. um, but it was sort of gradual. Um, so that was 2012. And then I needed... To, I had to wait a few weeks to, before I had my first hospital appointment. I thought, I don't want to do anything until I know until what the you score is Until you knew
2: the ins and outs and yeah, the effect it was going to have on how, your life. Yeah,
1: exactly. I had no idea what was sort of to mm. come and what my options were, how advanced it was, anything like that. All I did know is that where I work, I work for the Environment Agency, our chairman at the time was HIV positive. So I knew that you know he was living well with it and he was diagnosed yeah. in the late 80s so and
0: you knew, know, knew about his status as well he was yeah, open about yeah he was really that. open
1: about it yeah chris smith so right. um was, was lord smith of finsbury he's yeah. very openly yeah. gay and hiv positive so i'd mm. always known that before i it ever came across my sort of radar you know okay. and i see that he was living yeah. well with it so i knew in my mind before it ever came into my life that it didn't kill as many people these days provided you were diagnosed and on treatment
2: sure so you know in terms of the the Ivan's spoken about a stigma and ignorance and of course then there will be people wondering well maybe not asking you directly asking you drug use sexuality um, oh, does she sleep around? You know, all these yeah, kind I think of things. people that, that, that have that idea that it's thing, ha- it isn't happens it? to
1: promiscuous people. Yeah. But the thing is, is you know, it, it's not a collective build-up. You don't have to sleep with a certain amount of people, and then, oh, that qualifies you to get HIV. Mm. Or equally, you can be a really promiscuous person and be fine. It's yeah. one person, yeah. one time. And if you don't, they don't know their status.
2: Becky, going back to the conversation you, you had... Um, with him, um, how how difficult was that? Because if you're talking to somebody that's going to accept no responsibility, it, from a right and wrong perspective, it's it, it's annoying and irritating. But from an emotional perspective and the, the seriousness of what had not just to tell anybody. happened, right? I'm just wondering how how did that go and how how were awful. you able to deal with it?
1: Awful. I mean, but he was um, had his own kind of other issues as well so was at the gym quite a lot so you know he sort of left me at home because I was living with him then um, so I had about sort of three hours on my own so I logged on to the Terence Higgins Trust Community Forum and right. I got more answers about anything in those few hours than um, I probably would have got from anybody else because these were people that were living with HIV yeah and obviously you know um, you can see that they're sort of living well and other kind of issues that come mm. into it but that was a big support to me at the time, and um, the hospital got me in touch with Terence Higgins Trust, um, and they have a, a or had a women's group, so. I was quite an active participant going along to that. And he didn't like that then because I didn't sort of, the relationship didn't end straight away. I think I was just so scared and I was not going to quite.
2: ask you about that. How, uh, so, so kind of domestically you stayed together?
1: Not for very long. Okay. Um, and then I managed to escape. It was quite, he was quite a complicated, tricky right. character. But I did manage to escape then um, and go back home to my mum's um, where everything kind of turned around a little bit then. Um, i got better support and you know suddenly started to feel better and um and then i had an option to go on to itv um and talk about it and of course i wasn't open with everybody but i thought it's important because this can happen to anyone because lots of my friends said how on earth that happened to you you're a really sensible healthy person but it could happen to anybody you know, uh, it, the virus doesn't discriminate. It doesn't know if you're male, female, gay, straight. No,
2: absolutely. It, it,
1: you know, it it doesn't know any mm. of that, does it? So, um, I felt it was important to be open about it, and because the statistics at the time were, you know, a quarter of the people in this country living with HIV don't mm. know they have it, so are unknowingly well, spreading it? it to other people or passing it on to other yeah, people. Yeah. So, it's that thing and about a test get is tested. So simple. It is, Nowadays, and I just think so get yourself tested. Yeah. Um, because then, if there is an issue, you can do something about it. It's when it's untreated, yep. it becomes a problem.
2: And you're not going to die, you know, in, in, no. in, 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 in those senses. Is that back in the 80s? And as those, I remember the adverts. I remember oh, the it days of awful. Margaret Thatcher and uh, that. Yeah, it was whole, John
1: Hurt with that tombstone, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, but like I said, it's not 1984 oh. anymore.
2: And then it was those things, is that, said, well, if you slept with him and with her, then you're sleeping with them. And then there was almost like this continuation of every partner that anyone's ever slept with, you're yeah, actually and all it's sleeping not with like that. It was this whole scale mongering thing it was, wasn't it yeah there?
1: and that you know that those attitudes are still there and I've had mm. the only kind of like stigma on negative Comments I've had from people from a dentist who told his nurse to wash um, her hands and tools properly. And I'm like, you've both been wearing gloves. And after my bike accident, my mum was sat in the corner um, and this doctor looked through my notes because I'd had quite a bad injury to my yeah. leg. And I said, oh, look, I'm HIV positive. Are you an intravenous drug user? And I'm like, my Goodness mum's me. just sat in the corner. I thought, well, that's not... How I contracted it is none of your business. I'm here for you to treat me. And then he said to the nurse please make sure you take extra precautions. Fortunately, she was a nurse that worked, the, I think they called it the K-Ward back in South Mead Hospital at the time, right, which she right,
0: yes. looks
1: after the HIV and AIDS patients, and she's so angry. And she said, please, will you write in and complain about that? She said, because we take... Um, precautions we treat everybody as if there's the potential well exactly if you've got gloves on and you're uh, you know use it following the hygiene practices then what's the issue mm-hmm. and you don't know i'm i'm undetectable man so i'm not going to pass it on to you anyway yeah and yeah,
0: you make yeah, a yeah. good point there i think anybody who has, has that kind of experience and hopefully it happens less and less uh, these days yeah. with with a medical practitioner who makes comments like that or treats you differently or you feel they treat you differently you must complain about it yeah and i did they should not be behaving Good, in that way and they
1: should know better as well i'm Absolutely. like you're in this sort of um healthcare industry you should know this mm. stuff
2: but many people do say isn't it sometimes it's even a lottery depending on what doctor but the thing you've is got.
1: is you're not obliged to tell people your hiv status not. i didn't need to tell my dentist nope. i didn't no. need to tell my doctor or the people that were treating me mm. at hospital but i thought the more information they've got about me and also because i'm on medication it affects what they prescribe me because there can be contraindications sometimes so there's certain things i possibly couldn't take that would stop the drugs from working so they need to know that
2: okay i'm just going to um pedal back just a little just a little bit to um so your ex-partner um, I mean, we read stories about so, you know people being prosecuted for knowingly yeah, he, he went to prison infected and that 's what I was going to ask yeah, you is because actually that that knowingly happened yeah it did uh, and he went and to prison what kind of a decision was it for you um to be involved in in that I didn't process because it was must a have been painful yeah,
1: it was um, and, and, and embarrassing and yeah. you know having to talk about like private details of your life yeah um, and also um thinking that people were just gonna judge and think, well it served you right or you know, I didn't think that there was a case. It was only when I spoke to a friend of mine who was a policeman, he just said to me, Becky, you know, that's really not you can, you know, go to the police about that. That's yeah. that's not right.
0: It's um, not right.
1: And so it was a long old process which, you know, was hard going, but the end result hmm. was the right was the right thing.
0: Was was the action of having him prosecuted and and and, and jailed, put 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 into prison. Was that a case of personal satisfaction for you? Uh, no. Or a case of actually, I don't want this happening to anybody Absolutely, else? Absolutely,
1: yeah. I, there's no winners in this because it wouldn't have changed my situation. But I thought, the, and actually it was a conversation I had with my ex-husband. Um, he sort of said, you've kind of got a bit of responsibility here. He said, because if this, something happens to somebody else and you find out about it and you did nothing, and I, already, and I said straight away, I wouldn't be able to live with that. So it was a prevention thing for me. Um, I didn't get, I didn't sort of go jump. From the roofs thinking hurrah he's been prosecuted I found it really sad because I thought if you'd blinking well taken your medication it would never have got to this
2: everything everything I kind of I I sense about you would tell me that actually that it wasn't a joyous thing it was actually something with regret but you but to a large extent, you had a responsibility to, uh, you know, to I other women or men or I would never have been able to have wh- lived with myself was. if yeah. I
1: had found out that further down the road, this has happened to somebody else and I could have done something.
2: Sure. In terms of earlier, uh, at the stages that you, you, you spoke with mum and you spoke with um, some of your closest friends and you said it was over a, a, a period of time, yeah. a gradual thing. At what stage did you kind of was it the the ITV thing or what? what, At what stage did you say, do you know what? All right, some of my closer friends know, but actually, um, why am I going to hide this? Was that was it a gradual decision
1: on the back of the ITV um, thing? I thought that you know there would be some people that see that as the um, what did they call it? I can't remember what it was a few years ago, but it was. um, Matt Barber and Ranjit, I can't remember her surname, but yeah. The Breakfast Show on ITV, which lots yeah. of people... Daybreak, it was Daybreak, yeah. sorry, yeah, that's it. They keep changing their names, I'm out of... I don't watch any of that stuff now, so... Don't blame um, me. <laughs> and I, had, I kind of knew that some people I knew would potentially watch that in the morning, so I went to London, did the slot, got back to Bristol quite early, and then I decided to put a post on my Facebook page yeah. and, just to say, you know, i it, it was coming up to World AIDS Day anyway, so it was around that time. And yeah. I just thought, right, this is the um, post that I'm going to put. And it was quite a powerful thing. And a lot of people were surprised, but a lot of support from people as well. And I just thought, right, it's out there now. Um, and people can ask about it if they want to or not. Or, you know, and I had lots of questions and I'm happy yeah. to talk about it. And any kind of time, that I, you know, you get a negative comment or you hear something, I just, I don't get angry about that now. I just see that as an opportunity to educate because a lot of the time it is hmm. down to, um, Ignorance, or people don't understand, and then when you explain something, they're like, "Oh, right, I didn't realise that."
2: When you when you're doing that post, you know, before you press the, you know, you press the publish button or whatever it is, how many edits did you do? How many times, or did you just go,
1: "This is it"? Yeah, this is it. I went, "Bam," that's it. I found this really nice little picture. Yeah, that I'm not a victim. I'm not. I can't probably say the word, but an yeah. L- S-L-U-T. Okay. Um, and, very, and I'm not um, damaged or um, ill or dying or anything mm. like that. Um, I'm HIV positive.
2: Mm. Was that, was it empowering in some way for you yeah. to do that? Is it, yeah. you know, sometimes is that, sorry, yeah. I'm free. Yeah. In that sense. It
1: was completely.
2: Because you knew your health situation. So yeah, you actually absolutely. knew, I knew was everything's cool. Yeah. Um, and I
1: thought I want people to see that that it is not um, it is life changing but not life limiting
2: Yeah.
1: so you know yeah. and that 's one of my taglines i 've used quite a lot that it does change your life, but um, how you respond to it is down to you
2: you uh, and I, I really don 't want to sound patronizing because sometimes when i 'm talking to people and I actually feel it in my heart and I feel um, but you are so you are so courageous in terms of because there are so so many others that would just look, do you know what. I'm going to, I'll live with this and just with, with, with my close friends and I know I'm going to be fine, but I'm not taking a responsibility of being a champion for anybody else no. or whatever, but but you've done that. And kind of from a sporting perspective, from everything that that that, that you're doing now, um, it, it follows suit. So you yeah. are amazingly courageous and, oh, you. Um, you know, so you certainly taught me a lot.
1: I'm just getting on with my life because I liked life before yeah. and I just thought, well, you know, I have to, um, make the best of the situation that I'm in. Yeah. Um, and it's about like, half a resilience form, thing. Half empty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. What people and, say. you know, you, you can, you know, I, I did allow myself in the early sort of days 15 minutes every day to have a little pity party where I'd scream, <laughs> rant, and rave. And then I thought that's <clears> enough because otherwise that leads me down a road I don't want to go down. And, yeah. you know, being around good, supportive people is a big help in that. Um, And I know that that's not the case for everybody. No, it's not. And I've supported people in, you know, early sort of days of their diagnosis. And um, I know it's not easy for everybody. All I can talk about is my story and that it isn't easy all of the time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes all the effort to get out of bed and put my game face on some days it's easier than others you know and some yeah. days i think oh it's really unfair
0: really really quick question i mean because i do want to finish on on, on some other stuff okay cause, yeah, yeah i just wanted to ask you in terms of support i mean you mentioned your friends have been really supportive yeah. and you mentioned uh, the terence higgins trust i mean yeah. they've been around a long time they have now. yeah uh just online or did you go and sit did you i did go and see yeah them? i did
1: and um, bonnie um who was uh, the lady that was the women's um group I'd she's spent, upstairs she's based it, up yeah here now I, building, I did. Yes. I saw her a lot she a me a lot I went to the women's groups quite a lot I haven't been for a long time but I'm not living in Bristol and also I got to a point where I just thought after the court case and everything I thought I just need to live my life again right
0: but this but the, it's and that doesn't out mean there.
1: yeah it's out there and I am here to support anybody and anybody and people do contact me yeah. especially the joys of Facebook and Instagram people do yeah. privately message me a lot and I and I tat- chat to people a lot yeah but I just sort of sometimes thought I just don't I want to be amongst everybody um, and I will go back and visit them at some point but I just wanted to live my life and not have to think about that. I just thought mm. that's just one aspect of my life. It's not of all of course.
2: it. Of and, course and, and that's what I was going to finish with but you said de- what defines you really um, are what you do now and your achievements in terms of from a sport because... From a little one, you know, the tennis racket, the you know, We're mum always there. Yeah, mum with the kind of, you know, the dance based stuff, dad with the kind of sports based stuff. You've always had that. Yeah. And now you're living that life and you're inspiring others, uh, in terms of what you do. So so for those that don't know, what what are you currently doing? What's your what, what's your current profession, if you like, in that Well,
1: sense? I work four days a week um yeah. at the Environment Agency. I've been there for a long time, but yeah. I have two running groups. So um that came through uh, bristol city council camilla yeah. uh, briggs i'll give her a little shout out morning camilla um, <laughs> so she was um very helpful for me so i managed to establish two running groups so i've got one in eastfield park on tuesdays and one on Horfield common on wednesdays um that i lead um and i also teach a kettlebell class at eastern leisure center on thursday nights at the moment
2: what's kettlebells for people that don't know uh, 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 um, those unfit it's people it's a handle that
1: with know. a weight underneath and you are you know, listening they're Ivan? quite they're, it's it's tough stuff it's tough stuff and I'm a personal trainer so I've got a couple of lovely clients that I personally train yeah. I either go around to the house or I we do outdoor yeah. stuff mostly for people that are into running because I get quite a lot of people that come along to my running groups
2: so running is your kind of thing in
1: yeah and yeah. I don't really ride my bike so much now after my bike accident so um running uh, and I do a lot of weight training so um I have my a uh, personal trainer session with a girl called amy once a week because i just turn up and she puts me through my paces it's good because i'm you need that
2: as well if you're training other people you you need someone to kick your backside yeah Yeah.
1: like i sort of said to her this morning i had a session with her this morning i said you know i you push me harder with weights i wouldn't do that with myself because out of fear sometimes or perhaps i just think you know um i need that extra little nudge really
0: yeah I was just going to say, uh, you know, it's it's marvellous to hear how confident you are, uh, Becky. Not everybody else uh, will be if they've been living with or affected by HIV. And I appreciate that as well. I know it's not the same for
1: everybody. And
0: for that reason, we will be posting uh, links to uh, the Terence Higgins Trust and, of course, our our lovely people at Brigstow Projects as well. Yeah, they're really great as well. Um, They're based here at Easter Community Centre. So if you're living with or affected by HIV or know somebody who may be affected by HIV, you can gain support from those two organisations.
1: And I'm always here if anyone does need a chat.
0: Brilliant. How can people, um, probably more so in terms
2: of, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if she could inspire me to get fit. You know, if people that want to get fit, people that want to, uh, you know, do running and stuff like that, or even people that just want to know more about your story. Have, have you got kind of uh, a public, I know you'll have your personal Facebook stuff, but have you got like a public uh, a, a page a of people in contact I have got
1: a Facebook page yeah. and I've got an Instagram um, page as well. I think it's, okay, I think you. I run lift and swing. Okay. Um, so I put all the stuff up from my groups, yeah. my some of my own training things. So, you know, people can contact me that way but I'm on Facebook as well Twitter two Instagram accounts so
2: you know well we'll get Ivan to find them all out and then we'll publish them also so that we'll share them through BCF and and then people can join as well uh, Becky, you really are an extraordinary person and uh, you've certainly inspired me with your story. Oh, thanks um, for having me
1: as well. And, and Let me uh, have a little chat.
2: It's an absolute pleasure. And the thing is, um, you know, the story isn't over. I'm sure there's more stuff. I'm sure we're going to be hearing soon that you're going to do this or going <laughs> to do, do that and get involved in this. And it would be great, actually, uh, when you've got time just every so often to come in and be a pundit uh, on the on the programme, talk maybe about fitness and stuff. I'd love that. Everyone's all, always after motivational yeah, tips love and stuff. i um, So he's the boss look in terms of booking people oh yeah I'd love it he's the man with the book we want you back
1: (laughs) yeah honestly I'd love it
2: (laughs) and I suppose to finish off I probably haven't got time to play Duran Duran sorry you probably don't even like the track girls on film oh yeah it's an
1: absolute cracker it's one of their classic tunes
2: alright so I'll try and put it in the background just a little (laughs) bit there we go so any advice look People that are going through, and it won't necessarily be just with, an, uh, you know, an HIV diagnosis, but you're going through stuff. Um, you need to find ways of kind of, you know, seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Talk um, to
1: people, you know, talk yeah. to your doctors. Talk If you are HIV positive, talk to your hospital. There are support groups out there. Reach out. Talk to friends. Um, and I think, but you have to be proactive with that as well, I think. it's You have to put some effort into it. So. Yeah. In order for people to help you, you have to help yourself first as well.
2: And that's really key. It's so easy to stand and say, listen. That's the
1: same with fitness, isn't it? You You can do all the things, but you need to be prepared to put a bit of effort into it.
2: No, you're absolutely right. Um, This has been Extraordinary People uh, on the One Love Breakfast. Uh, We'll have more next Wednesday. Please go to our Facebook pages and Twitter for more information, uh, where you can find out more information about Becky Mitchell and also about the One Love Breakfast. We'll catch you tomorrow. Bye for now
1: this is bristol's bcfm on 93.2 online and on your mobile bcfm is an award-winning community radio station for bristol